The Eyes to the Left. Hello and welcome to Eyes to the Left, the Daily Mirror's weekly political podcast. Stalin, Jason Biddy, is on holiday, so I'm hosting it uh, this week, Kevin Maguire, and I'm joined by my Mirror colleagues, Nicola Bartlett and Hello. Mikey Smith. Hello. And this has been a Brexitastic week, with Britain leaving the European Union, dominating domestic politics. John Major, former Tory Prime Minister, who signed the Maastricht Treaty but kept Britain out of monetary union, kept Britain out of the working time directive, a lot of the social legislation, has made a blistering speech making the case for Britain to stay in the European Union, making the case for Britain staying in the European Union and calling for either MPs to have a free vote in the House of Commons or the people to be given another referendum. Nicola, do you think it's a game changer? Well, it's difficult to kind of overstate how damning this attack is from a former Tory Prime Minister on Theresa May. I mean, he's normally known as quite a mild-mannered person. uh, A great man. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And he keeps his interventions in politics Uh, currently um, to a minimum so you know when he intervenes that it's something he feels passionately about and he's also it's also key because he was one of the um, key architects of the peace process in Northern Ireland and what he said um, is is really quite strong he's basically attacking um, Theresa May as as harming the the future of, of the UK and he says quite categorically Yes, you have to deliver Brexit, but but as you know, other people have said before, there was no mandate for the worst possible possible deal, and certainly not for for no deal scenario. Mikey, you're older than you look. Uh, <laughs> that is true. Does he have any purchase now, John Major? I'm not sure that he does. Really, I think. Um, I don't know. I, I I think he's remembered more fondly than he was considered at the time. Um, and yeah, it is. It's it's an extraordinary moment for a, a former prime minister to to launch this kind of attack on a sitting prime minister from their own party. Uh, it's you know, it's not like Tony Blair, who you would almost expect to to attack a Tory prime minister. It, it, it's from her own side. Will it make any difference in the real world? That's that's another question. But it certainly gives a little bit more legitimacy to the argument that. You know the, the 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 referendum was advisory, as 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 John Major said, and 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 it it didn't give uh, the government free reign to pursue Brexit at any cost. You could almost hear the ultra Brexiteers and his own party howling as he said, "Well, thirty seven percent of the electorate." back Brexit, that meant 63% voted to remain or didn't bother didn't voting. Mm. Do, do those arguments, those democratic arguments, uh, or is that anti-democratic? Well, I mean, it, it's both, really, because uh, it, it is anti-democratic because everyone knows this is the system we live in and decisions are made by the people who turn up. But on the other hand, the the way the, the referendum has been characterised by uh, Theresa May and others is that it is the will of the people, which is really a different thing to saying it is the outcome of this vote. Um, the will of the people is is at best fifty fifty or fifty two forty eight, which is not 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 
quite the same thing. Yeah, I always think of Tory union legislation where in some cases you need 40% of trade unions to vote mm. for industrial action before you can legally take it, and yet you can rip Britain out of Europe uh, on 37% of the, mm. the electorate. But mm. Nicola, it was devastating, as you say, and he kept coming, coming back. The People had been deceived. He said they were beginning to realise that. People were beginning to realise is that the case? Do you find that? Or is he is he just hearing and seeing what he wants? I would take issue with that idea. It's, it's a very convenient narrative for Romanos that, that the people were duped. They were sold this lie about the money for the NHS on the side of a bus, and now they're waking up to, to the reality. And it may be that there are some people who are changing their minds or even realising that this isn't going to be as simple as what was promised. But I think the idea that that a huge swathe of people who voted to leave has suddenly decided that that, that that's not the case is, is completely unfounded. People voted to leave for, for a myriad of different reasons, but some of the main drivers from people I've spoken to were a dissatisfaction with the status quo. And nothing in the last um, few months from this government will have given any of those people any hope that anything is changing in terms of their lives and the situation in which they find themselves in. Now, I used to mock him mercilessly when he was Prime Minister. He was was a pathetic figure. At the end, everything went wrong. I just think of the Corns hotline and... uh, his red-hot sex life with uh, Edwina <laughs> Curry, and we you all not laugh. Think about that one. Uh, yeah. Spitting image, uh, just portraying him as uh, you know, totally, totally great. And yet that speech, I mean, it was a, it was a corker, mm. an absolute corker. I think he made the case for Britain remaining in Europe better than anybody I've heard in recent months, and spelling out the dangers too. However, what is the impact? We're not going to have a you know. You know, if it's not going to be across the country, does he does he put back into the box the the ultras, the in his own party, the European Research Group? Those uh, Jacob Rees Smug gang will they will they listen to him because he's one of their own? Well, I, I I don't think they necessarily will, but I think what's changed in the last month or so, I would say, is that the people who aren't necessarily. Um, Hard Brexiteers that that are uh, uh, we're told a very small proportion of the Tory Party. The the people who aren't those people have sort of come out of the closet a little bit, and they they've felt that they can that they can speak their minds without being accused of being saboteurs or traitors or whatever. Uh, so you've had Anna Subri being well, she's never been not vocal, uh, but she's been a bit more vocal. You've had Tony Blair coming out. You've had Andrew Adonis, who has been on on fire of late. Yeah. He's been on uh, uh, turning up to every uh, radio and TV interview that would have him. He's still more Andrew than Adonis, <laughs> the life peer of love. <laughs> but yeah, I think this is this is another example of that. Whether it's doing a job of. Uh, changing opinion in the country remains to be seen um, but I mean people uh, I think what has changed is not necessarily uh, that uh, people have changed their minds that they don't want Brexit after all, I think what's changed has been the people who backed Remain who were going to go oh yeah let's just get on with it a lot of those people are, are, are swinging back towards actually no this is a terrible idea um, and and uh, well, even if it wasn't a terrible idea, 
the government are making a mess of it. And, and whatever the is happening on the ground with the the people who count at the end, the workers, the voters, families, certainly the political class is uh, is is moving because Jeremy Corbyn on Monday comes up and all of a sudden he's embracing uh, the or a customs union. I think depending on which paragraph you read, <laughs> and that that is quite a shift for for him, Nicola, because he'd. Well, some speeches he would appear to back it and others he would shun it. But now he's fully in it. Yeah, and I think, um, you know, it sounds very much kind of like semantics, A or the customs union. Um, but, But Corbyn has kind of refused to commit to anything to do with Brexit, really, that strongly. Um, since he called for Article 50 to be triggered. Now... On the day the day after the referendum, <laughs> yeah. uh, he backed off. I don't think he knew quite what he was in doing. In a slight a blow to all of the, the Labour campaigners <laughs> who'd been out for juice. a rain. <laughs> but he, he, it, was, it was billed as a big sea change in Labour policy. Now, actually, it's not. Keir Starmer's been saying this, this for months, and this, their policy has been gradually shaping up to this moment. But I think the Labour Party realised that, that they couldn't ignore the, the swell of opinion within their own membership and within uh, a great percentage of their, their vote in the country as well. Um, and actually, the way Corbyn handled that was politically quite clever as well because he managed to put Theresa May on the back foot at the start of this week. Um, he was very much making the political weather and, you know, we're looking forward to votes on the uh, EU withdrawal bill. And there were various questions about whether he would put pressure on, on the Tory rebels. Now, it's um, it's only Wednesday, but things have sort of moved on and his speech is already overshadowed by various conflicting things that Boris Johnson has said. But I think it is clear that Labour are much more in command of their own uh, Brexit narratives than they were. Well, we'll come on to the idiot Boris Johnson in a, in a moment, <laughs> but just, just with Corbyn for, for, for now, Mikey, if... The Tory rebels and Labour, SNP, the Liberal Democrats, Plaid Cymru, the, the Green MP, Caroline Lucas, they're all, they're all going to unite and they're going to inflict a defeat on Theresa May by voting for the United Kingdom to stay in the customs union. And it's framed in terms... I mean, it would be calamitous for May, the Prime Minister. It's very difficult to see how she could survive it, although the Tories, Tories could. Do you think that makes it less likely the Tory rebels when push comes to shove in the month of May? It's been pushed back by the by the government because they're worried about losing this vote. Do you think it makes it less likely they will stand up and put country before party? I, I think you could be right. I mean, one one of the things that uh, that Corbyn said uh, on 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 Monday, which which didn't quite get as much. Uh, attention as the, the you know the big headline a a customs union or the customs union never has a definite or indefinite article uh, had so much sway on British politics. Um, one of the things he said was that um, if the government loses the vote uh, on on the deal, then it shouldn't be a second referendum. It should be an election that gets called. Mm-hmm. Now that puts a bit of a spike to it because. Um, I mean, if the polls are to be believed, uh, Labour would win such an election, uh, and and a, a lot of um, 
uh, Tory MPs if they are in either Brexit backing uh, constituencies or if they are in marginal constituencies might make them think twice uh, about uh, inflicting a defeat on their own Prime Minister if it's going to cost them their seat. I think Keir Starmer, Shadow Brexit Secretary, and dragging Corbyn, who is, is disengaged on Europe, I'm told he's not particularly excited by it. He's more, more interested in issues like homelessness and low pay, poverty, the NHS, education, opportunities, free, free university places and so on, which are, you know, can all be mixed in, but he's not excited by Brexit itself, but the presumably the low politics of inflicting that defeat must mm. be so tantalisingly, uh, you know, interesting and compelling to you that you want to you want to go for this. But uh, what do you make of, of Northern Ireland, which we know the Good Friday Agreement has been has been wonderful. There is this question that corner of the United Kingdom and Ireland, single market and the customs union, quite important to not having a harder border. And then welcome to the foreign secretary, or that sorry excuse for a foreign secretary. And it's not an idiot act; he is an idiot. And whereby <laughs> he, he says one thing in Parliament, we know, which is no border. And then privately, to Theresa May in the leaked letter, he's saying, "Well, you know, does it really matter? Well, this will be dominated." Where where do we go? Is is Ireland all now just about wider UK and European politics? I mean, the, the thing that astonished me about this letter that, that was leaked, as we're recording, it was leaked last night, is, is that apparently it was 18 pages long, this memo. Now, Boris Johnson, not known as a details man, uh, somehow managed to find 18 pages of waffle. He, he, might, have att- he might have attached a chapter of his biography of uh, uh, Churchill. <laughs> <laughs> but... I think this the situation with Ireland is absolutely devastating because it it just sort of shows the contempt that that Westminster has held that part of um, the uh, United Kingdom in for so long because it's been off the um, the radar consistently when actually it's probably in my opinion the most important factor of those three red lines that, that Theresa May had. You know, that is a, a part of the UK that within living memory, and to a certain extent, you know, still exists in some ways, was had violence on its streets because of political issues. You know, the fact that we are even considering any movement that would jeopardise that peace is, is just astonishing. And the, the year ended with a complete fudge on this issue. Um, that's how they managed to just about drag the Brexit negotiations to to the end of phase one. But they didn't don't seem to have been doing anything in the meantime to sort out that fudge and make sure that there is a possibility going forward. And today in Prime Minister's questions, I think Theresa May listed off three different options for Ireland, which logically you can't have all three of them at the, at the same time. So it feels like they still don't get what what the actual issues are here. But isn't... Isn't it? Isn't isn't the truth? There's, there's no doubt in that 30 year civil civil war, 3,600 people killed. British politicians only seem to care when the the bombings were in Warrington, Manchester, Birmingham, yeah. or London. When they were in Northern Ireland, they were less concerned, certainly. But you get you get peace. You, you begin to take it for granted. But the truth is, there is no easy answer, is there? If the UK comes out of a customs union and the single market, that border will be firmed up. It's there now territorially. Mm. 
it is there in a, it's a currencies the the south using the the euro the north uh, the, the pound but it is there and of course boris johnson just thinks it's like passing uh, between london council areas which i think underlines what an idiot the idiot is who was well well educated beyond his intelligence his parents wasted a fortune uh, at eating and if, if it's just like two council areas then why are you going all the fuss over brexit anyway i thought it was all about restoring borders and some type of national sovereignty but uh, anyway the the loon uh, doesn't doesn't quite uh, quite but get then, it but there is no answer is there well, if, there's, there's, if you if you come out of, tons of answers but all of them are bad all of them have a downside um, and I think possibly this is where Brexit is going to be most sort of crystallised for people is that in a lot of aspects of Brexit there are no good answers, there are no good solutions the, the good solution would be staying in the EU <laughs> um, but that, that obviously is is not acceptable to as as, as you would call them the, the Brexit ultras who, who, who have been fighting for this for decades and, and, and Nicola the Northern Ireland voted to remain in the European Union but the DUP the largest party propping up Theresa May in Parliament in return for uh, a billion quid for a couple of years worth of votes wanted out mm. does that give you know, the role of the DUP and the, again and the wider politics and support and the Conservatives in Westminster does that limit the room for manoeuvre that Theresa May has. Certainly, I mean, she, as we keep referring to on this podcast, she went to the country to try and shore up a majority for, for Brexit and she failed to do that. So she's ended up being not only in hock to a pro-Brexit party, but a pro-Brexit party from Northern Ireland who are obviously the largest um, unionist party but we never have a fair picture of, of Northern Irish politics uh, in the House of Commons because Sinn Féin don't take their seats. And as Anna Subri pointed out today, who is standing up for the Remain voters in Northern Ireland? Who's making that case in Parliament? And it's very small, really. And, you know, again, the problem is I don't think Theresa May understands how politics and how people work. She forces herself into these corners by creating uh, this, this agreement with the DUP, she's in a bind to them. By creating these Brexit red lines, she's now having to contort herself into impossible positions. I mean, the issue, that, or the, one of the points that John Major was making today was about building a consensus behind Brexit, by ne- actually negotiating, having things that you were willing to move on and give up. She has seems to have... as good a grasp of diplomacy as her foreign secretary at the moment. And Mike, what does Theresa May have to say in what's billed as her big speech on Friday as she makes her way through the wheat field of Brexit? What, uh, I, I, I don't know what she can say that will be a solution to Resign. <laughs> resign. <laughs> yes, I'm I, I resign, uh, possibly, is the answer. Uh, but no, I don't know what she can say because she's backed herself into so many corners... Um, uh, you know, ruled out so many things, had so many red lines um, that I, I, yeah, I don't, I don't know where she can go. I, I'll be, in, I'll be watching. <laughs> I'll be interested to find out. And there, there were reports today that she may have capitulated slightly on something she was saying about EU citizens' rights during the transition period. Now I haven't been able to 
to confirm this completely, but we we understand that she may be saying that those EU citizens who come during that two-year transition um, will be entitled to some of the same rights that EU citizens who are already here. And that's something that she tried to sort of deviate from the EU on. Um, but they weren't that happy on it. So that may be one thing that she tries to, to sell as, as having compromised on. It, it does seem she just gives, 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 well, uh, which shows the yeah. weakness of her bargaining position. And we know she can't say she'd vote to, rebate, uh, to leave in a second uh, referendum. Uh, she doesn't really believe in government policy, what, she, what, what she's doing. After what's happened, the, you know, the the European Union's playing hardball. You can't criticise them for that. The 27 are looking after their interests, where we're moving. After Corbyn's shift, Major's appeal, uh, Boris Johnson's stupidity over Northern Ireland, what do you think the chances are of another referendum? It will be the third, really, or the first on the leaving terms. We had a referendum in 75, we had the 2016, but this would, if there was a referendum when we have the deal, you would know what you're voting for. be no more land of milk and honey, as promised by the ultra-Brexiteers, where they're 350 million quid a week for the NHS, that doesn't exist, and so on. Do you think it's any more likely there could be a referendum? I think there could be one, I think an election is more likely. Nicola? Yeah, I, I would agree, and I, I would certainly prefer that. I mean, I don't think we're a country that deals particularly well with referenda, given this example. They're too... It was much too vague a question. Um, n- nothing was, was defined. Um, and personally, I, I'd like to, I like to elect people who do that job for me. I don't want to have to go out and do all the research myself. And it's been you know, a months and months of competing sides telling you completely different things. If we have a deal and we have a general election, then the parties can put it in their manifestos and the public can have a proper decision. Well, I'd prefer a referendum. I like referendums. They're good fun. <laughs> uh, I think, uh, I think uh, one, one way to do it, uh, another referendum is with a referendum rather than an election. But I, I see the arguments. I also see the arguments for not... Uh, not having one. Thank you for listening. Uh, you've this is uh, Eyes to the Left, the Daily Mirror's political podcast. I'm Kevin Maguire. At Twitter, I'm uh, at Kevin underscore Maguire. Mikey, I'm, I'm Mikey Smith. I'm uh, at Mikey Smith, all one word, uh, M I K E Y. And Nicola, I'm at Nicola R Bartlett. And send all your criticisms, should you have any, to Jason at Mirror Thank you for listening. <laughs>